0: You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah, a sermon from our series entitled House Rules, a study on the book of 1 Timothy. For more information, visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. This is about as green as pants as I got, y'all, so I'm just telling you, I'm just trying to identify with you. Um... I'm like RJ. I'm like, I didn't even know what St. Patrick's Day was till I moved here. I have yet to be at the parade, by the way, I've been here 11 years, just haven't gotten north of Duren. So, <laughs> I was very happy yesterday. Um, I, I did hear some bad news last week, I don't know if you heard this, it's very, very upsetting to me, that Toys R Us is closing. <laughs> Not about you, okay? When I, when I grew up, I didn't want to grow up because I was a Toys R Us kid, okay? <laughs> I mean, there was something magical about Toys R Us when when I was, it was actually my first job I worked at Kids R Us. I actually had to dress up as Jeffrey Draft's wife or sister. So that was great. That was my first job at 14. And the Kool-Aid man. That was another sermon blow. But it was a magical place, Toys R Us, wasn't it? You go in and there's G.I. Joe and there's Star Wars and there's all these unbelievable, it was a magical place for a kid. And now... It's gone, it's gone, right? And you think, I was thinking about that as I come to this text today and you're like, what does Toys R Us have to do with this Bible? Well, Toys R Us was this mega store, this giant retailer for toys, and now it's gone. And what you see sometimes in the church, whether you know it or not, is folks that you're like, this is a strong dude. This guy loves Jesus. He is walking strong, he is doing well. And then 10 years, 15 years down the road, He is gone. And you think, what happened to him? What happened to her? They were so strong at one point, and now they're just weak, or they're even gone. I don't know what happened to Toys R Us. Probably Amazon. Amazon kills everything, right? But Paul is going to help us today as we open Scripture together. I I do know what happens to people who were here and they're gone. And he is going to give us some warnings. And what you're gonna get, you're gonna get the heart of Pastor Paul. This is Shepherd Paul shepherding Timothy, and by way of application, us. And it's him using his kind of shepherd staff, his crook, to kind of bring us back in. And he's gonna give us some, some things to watch out for, to be warned about as far as drifting or as far as falling away. Because what you see throughout the scripture, especially in the New Testament, there is constantly this warning be on the lookout, don't drift. Don't fall away, right? The writer of the Hebrews says we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by angels provided to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This, this ability to drift is, is super real for us, y'all, and it's, it's the, the reason why a Toys are Us can be gone, and it's the reason why I don't want us to be Toys R Us Christians, right? And so we're gonna talk about that today and and just give some very practical, hopefully, warnings from Scripture. Uh, We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're gonna look at verses 1 through 5. And, And let me just say this right up front, if you are a Christian, if you've been born again, if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you this morning, you need to understand this, you cannot ever lose your salvation. All right. You are sealed with the Spirit. You are secure in Christ. Your sins have been paid for. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. So understand that if you are a Christian, you can never lose your salvation. So we need to establish that. But you, what you can do is you can neglect it. And what you can do is you can drift from it. And here's another thing. What you can be is deceived into thinking that you are a Christian and you're really not. All those are true. All those, all those can happen. And so these warnings that Paul is going to give us is going to give us some practical ideas for both those who are drifting or those who may even think they're Christian and they're not really. All right. And so let's jump in. Chapter 4, verse 1. And understand, remember, <clears throat> chapter divisions are artificial. They're not original. Paul wasn't like, okay, this is a good place for a 4. 4. Verse 1. Right, These are written a thousand years after they're put in there so we can find our way around the Bible. But that's, it's not original. And this, this section is actually linked to the previous section. And remember, in the previous section he's been talking about our identity. We right now are the dwelling place of Jesus himself. Remember? Okay. We are the dwelling place of Jesus, that the church is the family of God, and that we have a common confession. And it's, it's on those heels that he's going to go into what's going on here, right? That's, that's what's going on. The ability to drift from that common confession. And you remember what it was. And in fact, I want us to read it together because this is what, who we are. This is what we believe, right? So let's read this together. Is it going up there? Okay, you can see it. All right, let's read it. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh... Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory." That is our message. And what's going on in Ephesus, because false teachers are crept in and whatever they're doing, they're drifting from that right? And Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus, remember he's going to Macedonia, to deal with it. To, to, he gives him this whole letter and he says, just teach this. They're teaching this. You teach this. This is the house rules. This is how the family works. This is what we believe, right? That's what's going on. And so here's what he jumps in and says, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says, and we got to stop, when? We don't know. We don't know exactly what he's referring to, But what he's saying is, whether it's through the teaching of Jesus, which he says a lot of this a lot of times, or what's through the other apostles, he says the Spirit is clear. Okay? Just so you know, there's a big billboard. And the Spirit has been crystal clear about what is coming. So do not be shocked. Do not be shocked, right, when your bracket gets smashed. It's gonna happen. It already has. Many of you picked UVA. Congratulations. You have no nothing about basketball. Okay. Right? But he says, this is clear. The Spirit says this. What? That in later times. When is later times? Later times is today. In fact, later times has been since Acts chapter 2. So it's been later times for 2,000 years. Right? So you see that consistently through the scripture. That in later times, and it's the last days, ever since the church in Acts 2, it's been the last days. Now, as we get closer and closer to Nikolai Carpathia, the Antichrist showing up, Okay, for those left behind people in here, um, it's like, an I know that's 90s. Some of you are like, what is that? Okay, good. But the closer and closer to the end we get, this will be more and more true. But we are in the later days. So he says, the spirit is clear that in the later times, the last days, what's going to happen? Some will depart from the faith. He says, it's going to happen. Right? They're going to leave. And the, and the verb here, it, it's, it's kind of a vague verb, and I'm, I appreciate that, because it could mean that they're going to walk away completely, all right, showing that they never were truly saved. Or it could mean that they're just going to drift and that they might come back. There's some ambiguity. He said, but it's going to happen, all right? Toys R Us is going under, just like Blockbuster, right, and all these other places. They will depart. Why do they depart? Here's what we want to zoom in on. Because they were devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Right? They they seem to be pursuing Jesus at one time, walking with Jesus, and they are no longer. Why? Because they are devoting themselves to what is, he says, is demonic. That's a strong word. You think, am I following demons? That's strong language, very black and white from the Apostle Paul. Because what he's teaching is this, there is a teaching that comes from God, and then everything else is demonic. It's pretty, pretty black and white, right? So that's, that's kind of harsh. That's kinda, this, is, this is the kind of platitudes that Jesus speaks with constantly. He says, there's a good tree, there's a bad tree. Good fruit, bad fruit, right? You are either for me or you're against me. Okay? In my house, you either root for Philadelphia sports or you leave. Okay, that's, that's very black and white. It's, it's not an option. It's, but that's the way he's speaking. Right, and, and he's not, don't understand, he's not talking little, minor, different interpretations of, okay, this person's a pre millennial. this person's a post He's not talking about that. There is a teaching that points people to Jesus, and there is a teaching that points people away from Jesus. One is from Jesus, one is demonic. And they are following the demonic, right? People in the church. And here's the first thing. Don't want you to I, — I, I do want you to grow up. I don't want you to be a Toys R Us Christian. So here's the first thing, is you got to be awake, y'all. And I'm not talking about the three or four of you that stayed up way too late and I already see your eyes closed. I'm not talking about you, although I am kind of talking to you. I'm talking about spiritually awake. Right, there is a battle, y'all, whether you believe it or not, <laughs> there is a battle raging for the souls of men. It is going on right now because we, we, we do not fight in, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the principalities. There's a spiritual battle going on. And the best way to take you out for the enemy is to do what? Is to make you not even fight, put you to sleep, lull you into kind of apathy, have you just coast or be even like, I don't even know if that's true, or be apathetic or not care. But make no mistake, your enemy, your adversary... Is not passive, okay? Just so you know. He is not passive, he is not neutral, and he hates you. And he hates your marriage, and he hates your kids, and he hates this church, and he hates everything about you. And since he cannot take you to hell with him because you're secure in Christ, what he's going to do then is try to make you ineffective. He is trying to steal your joy, he wants to keep you enslaved. And he does it often, y'all. And here's here's what you got to know. He often will do that, try to train you through people who say they are Christian. Because our enemy, our common enemy, disguises himself, Paul says, as an angel of light. If he comes in like the far side, dude, everyone's like, there's the devil. I see him. Right? It's real obvious. So what does he do? He disguises as an angel of light. And so he will use Christianese, right? It'll be a, a charismatic couple that's just dynamic. It'll be this great teacher. He's just so kind and generous. It'll be a cute dude in skinny jeans. If that, I don't know if that actually works, cute dude in skinny jeans, whatever. But they will use the right language. They will say things like Jesus and pray and quiet time and love. That's what the prosperity gospel preachers do, right? Bless, God will bless you and He'll heal you. And if you have faith, and they'll have Bible verses to show that you need to send your money to them. And if you do, great things will happen. That God wants you to be wealthy and healthy, right? And it all sounds so good, but really if you get down underneath the surface, it doesn't point you to God. It actually points you away from God. It actually points you to yourself or something else. And, he, and just think about it. You, you know the, the passage. You know Jesus when he's tempted in the wilderness. Right? Go, go look at that. So Satan shows up and he says, just why don't you take that rock there? You're real hungry. Why don't you make some bread? And you're like, oh, that's innocent. That's not a big deal. He's made water and wine. He can do all these things, right? Make yourself some wonder bread, Jesus. No big deal. But what he's doing is saying, your father is not really good. He's not providing for you. You can't trust him. You need to move out on your own. You need to do your own deal. Right? Sound familiar? It's the same as Genesis 3. God doesn't want your best. If he wanted your best, he'd let you eat that tree. It's the same subtle argument. It points people away from God rather towards, even though it uses the right language. It's the same thing you hear all the time. Well, I just, I deserve to be happy. God wouldn't want me to not be happy. Right? Of course. And, and look, God is for your joy, yes. But because you don't, you're not in a good place with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents, so God wants you to be happy so you can just abandon everything else he's ever said. Right? It, it, it's, it's subtle. Satan says, bow down to me, I'll give you all everything in the world's mine. I I I own it. I can give it to who I want. Is that true? It's kind of partially true. He's the prince of the power of the air, so he uses a little truth and a little lie. But what he's saying is, hey, do your own thing. You can be like God, right? You can be like God. Same thing he tells Adam. And Eve. you can be like God. Same thing he's telling you. It's your life. Live it. You don't need anyone to tell you what to do. You, it's, as long as you're not hurting anybody, you do what you want. It's it's the same thing, y'all. He he hides as an angel of light, and you got to be aware of it. You got to be awake because if you're not awake, you could end up train wrecked. You could end up being a Toys R Us kids Christian and deceived and, and so what you have to do the solution to help you is that you need to know the truth so well that it, the error is easy to spot and so here's a great memory verse for some of you next week I'm actually going to we were going to do 1st Timothy the next section but I'm actually going to do something for uh, Palm Sunday so you don't need to read ahead in 1st Timothy maybe this week as your homework you could memorize this verse Romans 12 2 very simple verse many of you know it already but so essential do not be conformed to this world All right? Don't be squeezed in by this world. But instead, here's the contrast, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So you need to be changed. You need to be transforming how? Your mind being renewed. How do you do that? By renewing it with truth. Constantly exposing it to truth. Then what's going to happen? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. You're not going to be fooled because you know the truth so well. When error shows up, you're going to be like, it sounds fishy. That's what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to be people who are renewing our minds, y'all. They're, that's why you just need to be reading Scripture. I'm not saying you have to study the Greek words and the tenses at all, but just renewing your mind with truth and not being conformed to this world, because we're filling our minds with trash and not renewing it, right? So, good homework for you. You got to know. You got to. You got to know the truth so well. I was at baseball practice with my one of my boys a couple weeks ago, and I'm not coaching. I I volunteered. They didn't want me. It's a good old boy system down here. I don't know why y'all do that, right? Okay, I know how to play baseball. But anyway, they didn't call me. I'm just telling you. I still have her feelings. But I'm, and I'm watching these guys on the field, and, and he's playing shortstop, and they're working on double plays, and whoever the sweet country boy who thinks he knows baseball is hitting the ground balls. He don't know what he's talking about. And he's hitting ground balls, okay. And he's got. The two infielders, and if you play at middle infield, you know how to turn a double play. I can do it from second. I can do it from short. He's got these kids 15 feet away, underhand tossing it. I'm like, I'm gonna let him do this this weird, you know, thing that he thinks he knows what he's doing, right? And then after practice, I'm gonna take my son. I'm gonna say, "Don't do a word he just said." Okay. So if you're turning double play from shortstop, you don't tell. Okay? That's not how you do it. It's boom, boom. If you're at second base, it's here, there. I said, don't do this. Little, what do you think they are? Okay? So, but the only reason I know that is because I know how to play middle infield. I know the truth. This country dude that likes the Braves, that's probably why he doesn't know baseball. <laughs> hey, I've moved from college football to pro football, and we are now in baseball season, folks. Okay? <laughs> it's a year-round deal for me. The only reason I know that is because I know baseball. Right? The only reason you will be at a spot error is if you know the truth. That's the point. That's why you need to renew your mind. And so, what we do on Sundays is I open this book and, and we study it together. And if I say something that's like, I don't know if that's there, I, I promise you may have, to have a little bit of a different interpretation than me on minor things, but it's going to be here. I'm not going to say something that I didn't get out of here. And if I do, that's when you say, Feller's gone, fire him. Right? That's what you do. That's why we start here. This, y'all, is why denominations in our country are falling away. Because they stopped preaching that book. And so now you've got churches debating whether or not marriage is this. Or, or, or this about sexuality. And you're like, are you kidding me? It's just very clear right there. But they're, they're moving away because they've moved away from this. Right? Because they don't know the truth anymore and they're deceived. And you've got to be awake. It's a slow deal. Satan is very patient. He is very patient, right? Be awake. We don't want to be Toys or Us kid Christians. Let's keep going. There's a second warning here, verse 2. All right. The Spirit expressly says, In later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teaching of demons. And here we get the content of, of kind of what these guys are like. Through the insincerity of liars. Okay, we get that. They're lying. But notice this last phrase. Whose consciences are seared. You need to underline that word. It's, it's the word we get our English word "carterize" for seared. Right, when I first moved to the South, got ourselves a grill. Right? I'm thinking, I'm in the South. I got a grill. Right? That's a Southern thing. So I started grilling, And I'm telling you, every single thing I grilled was dry as a bone. I mean, I'd watch TV. I'd do all these things. I'm like, man, I'm going to do this dry as a bone. And then one fateful day, Greg Durkin. Where's Greg? Greg in the service? Is he in the third? Greg Durkin comes over to our house. And he disciples me in, in, in grilling. He says here, we're grilling chicken. So he shows me. I said, what you do? Turn the heat way up. Turn the heat way up. All right, you throw that chicken on the grill for one minute. One minute. Got it. All right, then flip that chicken over and then put it down to medium heat and then just let it go. And what has happened is because it's so hot that one side of that chicken is seared and when I flip it over, then the juices can't come out, so that juice stays in that chicken and it slowly just gets to a great point. And let me just tell you, I'm no Bobby Flay, but I have not grilled dry chicken since. All thanks to my brother. I'm so grateful. So are my family. But what has happened to that chicken is it was seared, it was carterized, so that it was hard. And what is good for chicken is bad for the soul. What is good for the palate is bad for the heart. And these men, because of so much lying and so much hypocrisy and so much bad teaching, have dead consciences. You know, you have a conscience because you're made in the image of God. God has given us everyone this internal GPS, right? And it can be seared and it can be fed and every culture can kill it or do whatever. It can be nurtured or killed. but. But you understand your conscience can be seared so that you feel nothing. And we've all been there at some point. I remember back in high school, I wasn't even a Christian. I knew right from wrong. Right? I was a good kid, but I wasn't a believer. And I wasn't a liar until my junior year in high school. And so my parents would be like, hey, where are you going? I'd be like, I'm going to the library. So I'd go to the library and hang out with my boys. And then they'd say, hey, let's go down to Angela's because Angelo's was the pizza joint. So I'd go to Angela's, but I wouldn't tell my parents. And then, you know, I felt guilty at first, but after a while, no big deal. And then I found myself, let's just go to Angelo's. And so I tell my parents, I'm going to the library, and I literally drive in the library parking lot. I walk in the library, walk out, went to the library, and then I go to Angelo's. I felt guilty a little bit, but then I went away. And by the end, I wasn't even going into the library anymore. I was just saying I was going to the library and I was going to Angelo's. What happened? In the beginning, I, I felt guilty and I felt shame. But by the end, my conscience was seared. And I'm telling you, as pastors, we have sat in rooms with people who sit there and are caught in the middle of just atrocious sin. And, and you're like, do you see it? And they're like, no. And they just don't care. Right? Their consciences have been seared. They don't feel anything. And you're like, wow. And even to take the illustration one step further, let me say this. Like, I, in the beginning of this church, when we planned it, I used to lead worship. I led worship at my church in Dallas. It wasn't good, but I did it. If I picked up Bo's guitar right now and played it for three hours straight, I haven't played in a while, it would go very bad for me because my fingers would be a bloody mess at the end. Right? Because I haven't played in a while. But if I picked up Bo's guitar and I played for 15 minutes every day for a month and a half... I could pick that thing up and play for hours and it wouldn't matter because I would have built up my calluses again on my fingers, which you need as a guitarist. And over time they would have gotten hard so I don't feel anything, right? And and you say, well, that's good for guitar playing. Yes, it's, but it's bad for the soul. And that's what happens to the heart, Right? It can be built up over a long period of time. And you say, well, the heart's so durable. It is durable. It can endure lots and lots of sin. But then you cannot feel anymore. That is a great way to be a Toys R Us kid Christian. And so the second idea here, the second warning for us is, y'all, guard your heart. As the Proverbs say, keep your heart with all vigilance, for flow, from it flow The springs of life. Your heart directs your actions. Pay attention to your heart. And maybe a great application question for you as an individual, not for your spouse, not for your kids, not for people in other churches, for you, is that what are you playing with now? What are you toying with now that a year ago, five years ago, you would have thought, I would never, that's unthinkable. I'd never have done that. Ready? Right, eh? Maybe it's this relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, and yeah, you, you know, you started off real good, but now you are compromised big time. Never saw that. Maybe the stuff you're filling your mind with. Maybe the lying or the gossip or the slander. Here's a big one maybe the bitterness. Nothing deadens a soul like bitterness. Right? And you, you know, were you a joyful guy three years ago, joyful gal, and now it's just like you can't even. Right? What are you playing with? Because it is a slow process that deadens the conscience. And here's the, the, the thing about sin that's so ironic. It starts as liberating and exhilarating, and you think, oh, how exciting, I'm throwing off the impression, but it ends in slavery. That's the way it backfires. It's the way every time. Right? It's one of the ironies of sin. You're, you, you start out thinking it's so freeing, and you end up enslaved. And so we end up with words like addicted or sick, right? Right? It's, it's kind of the language we use in our culture. But here's the thing. And, and, and there's no, no denying that people are in places of addiction all these things. But two, three years ago, they weren't. They weren't. And everyone has propensities towards different sins. Understand. My family, my family background has a propensity towards alcoholism because there's alcoholics in it. So I get that. So everyone has a, a this is more tempting than this because of DNA or whatever. But the reality is this. If I'm caught in this and I wasn't five years ago, something happened. There was choices made. It didn't start here. And we may feel like we're in a place where there's no choices now, but it wasn't always that way. And I'm telling you, it's because it's we don't guard our hearts, and it's a great way to drift. And this is why, y'all, community, I know you hear, you hear us hammering it, but the more I, it, you know, what I've learned and what I've been told by my mentors and others is when you guys get sick of hearing it from me, then you start, you're actually starting to understand it. I'm going to keep saying it. Right? That community is so vital because you cannot always decide what is best for you. Because you cannot always see the slide in your life. When you're gaining a few pounds, you don't notice. You think you look good. And then your wife's like, baby, you need need to lose some weight. And you're like, no, I look good. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't notice it. And, and here's the thing about community. Understand, community works best on the front end. It just works better on the front end. All right? Just like if, if, I, if you say, man, I don't get enough sleep at night. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm not going to tell you you need to sleep in. All right? Because you can't. you got to go to the job, you got to go to work. What I'm going to tell you is what? Go to bed early. It works better on the front end. And so if you're going to bed at 1130, go to bed at 1030. you got to catch it on the front end before the crisis. It's your front line of defense. And that's why we offer community groups, and that's why some of you in other places. And our community groups are not Bible studies. They're they're, they're not, you know, okay, everyone's not coming in, okay, there's a talking head. They're designed for you to talk about how does what we're learning work in life. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm struggling. Let's talk about this, and what do y'all do? And how do we apply this and engage this truth into our life and live in light of it? Because I'm telling you, once the heart is hard, once it is hardened, all we got is we make an appeal to somebody and we pray. And we trust God. That's all we got at that point. I'm just telling you, right? Better on the front end. And, and so if you have no community, I'm not saying you have to get in one of our community groups because I know that there's, you know, you might be out of a different night, but you got to have someone who's saying, hey, you're sliding. You got to have a place that you are known. You got to have a place where you can be known and know others, right? Huge. Don't want to be Toys R Us kid Christians. Be awake. Guard your heart. And as we go in the next verse, we kind of find out what do they teach? What is the content of what they're teaching? Verse, verse 3a. They forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods. And so they're, they're saying marriage is bad. Stop eating this kind of food. They, they have, in essence, created their own version of like a, it's like a spiritual crossfit. Right, so you know people that are in CrossFit. We have several of you in here, right? You try to recruit me all the time. It's not happening, right? right. But CrossFit people, great, man. You guys are awesome. If, if the zombie apocalypse happens, you guys will be alive. We'll all be in heaven. That's fine. Okay, that's great. You'll be throwing tires at them or something, okay? That's great. But here, here's the thing about, about CrossFit people. If you don't do CrossFit, then you don't really exercise. Like, you go for walks every day? Isn't that sweet? nice yeah you ran a marathon yeah but you don't do crossfit i'm being a little facetious just a little but this is what they're doing what they're saying is this is what real christians do they don't get married and they don't eat pork right that that's what they're doing and for some reason, they're denying marriage. You know, we saw this. This is what I think chapter 2 is about, why, why he encourages the ladies to, to have children. And it's because they're, they're devaluing how God wired men and women. And he's saying, yes, why would you want to waste your life with kids and marriage? That, that's the idea. You should be eating this. And, and whatever their deal, it's rooted in Jewish law. And we've seen genealogies and all these other things. But here, it doesn't matter what the flavor is. Anyone can build their own spiritual you know, deal where you earn credit to make God happy. Right? The church has been doing this for 2,000 years. It started in the New Testament with circumcision and pork. And now it's moved into, and depending on your generation, you know, you couldn't play cards in the church for a while. I don't have no idea why Go Fish was so unspiritual. But you couldn't play cards. When I go to the Ukraine or have in the past, they ha- if you are a lady and you wear pants, then you are going to hell in a hay basket. And if you put lipstick on, you're going faster than the Satan himself. I mean, that's the standard that they have put. In our country, it's been, you know, what rated movies you watch and and your translation of the Bible and what kind of music you listen to. And if you homeschool or private school. Any culture can create a legal system, the litmus test of who's in and who's out. And here's the problem with that. It sounds godly. It may even have a Bible verse rooted in it. But it is not true, because any system that creates an, an ability for you to be more acceptable is the opposite of the creed which we just read in, in chapter 3, verse 16. It is the opposite of the gospel. It is the opposite. It's not you were manifested in the flesh. You were seen by angels. You were resurrected. It's Jesus. It's Him. It's Him. It is not rooted around your performance, your performance God gave up on in Genesis 3 in the garden. All right, it's over. Their performance is done. And often we say, you know, Christianity is not about works. That's kind of not true. It actually is about works. It's just not about your works. It is about the works of Jesus who did everything that you couldn't do. And then what do we do? We put our faith and trust in what Jesus has done. It is about his finished work. Right? That's what it's about. Jesus accomplishes what we could not. Jesus performs when we could not, and all I put my faith and trust in him. Right? That's, so, so, so this idea of I can get my way to God and do better things and do more Bible study, it is, it is actually the opposite of the gospel. And I'm not saying that convictions, y'all, are not good. You should have convictions. God has given you a conscience, but not to make you holier or better than everybody else. I used to have this, this buddy of mine, I would have coffee all the time with him. He's with Jesus now. His name was Bubba. Some of you probably know Bubba, but we would get in these... I made the mistake one time of telling Bubba that after church, I went out to eat with my family. And Bubba was a Sabbatarian, good old Baptist Sabbatarian. And he was like, man, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? It was real easy. I got my car, started it, went like three miles down the road, got me some food. It was easy. He's like, no, you you can't eat out on a Sunday. I said, why not? He said, you're making people work. Uh, And we were in four services at the time. And so I said... Well, I worked. He's like, yeah, but you don't count. I'm like, oh, I don't count now. Oh, okay. I said, okay, wait a minute. Let me, and, and I'll, you know, I'm kind of, in that kind of context, when I have a good relationship, I'm going to be ornery with him. All right. So, and I was, I was like, okay, Bubba, we have a Saturday night service. Am I allowed to go out to eat after Saturday night service? And, you know, and then he's like, well, you know, I was like, "Uh," oh. I said, do you use electricity on Sunday? Well, somebody at the power company's doing something. You're making them work. You better not do that. You better not flush your toilet because someone's turning this one. And I'm just being real, you know, snarly with him to prove a point. Right? And look, that's his convictions and that is fine. But, but that doesn't make him more holy or me less holy. Right? And, and you putting your convictions sometimes that are non, that are biblical that are just kind of your convictions on other people, it just makes you arrogant. So, so that's one side, and we would call that, y'all, legalism. That's what legalism is, okay? So it's the, it's when you hear a bunch of people, oh, that church is legalistic. And, and legalism is not, I'm pursuing Jesus and trying to be holy. That's not legalism. Legalism is, because I do this, I'm better than you. Because I believe this, I'm better than you. That's legalism. That's one side. But the other side of the pendulum is what we call license, Right? And, and, and so some of you grew up in this uber-legalistic background, right? And you're like, I can't do that, I can't wear pants, can't play Go Fish. Man, this is miserable. And so the pendulum has swung way over here. And now it's like, free in Christ, i do anything I want. Bible says nothing about movies. There ain't no movie ratings. Paul doesn't say anything over PG-13. You better be careful. He doesn't say that. I'll watch what I want, whenever I want. Bible says nothing about gambling, which is actually true. There's no verse on don't go to Vegas. There's a lot of verses about being wise with your money, which going to Vegas is probably not. But no verse, no, no verse in the Bible about that. Go and do that. Do what I want. Free in Christ. And the pendulum has so swung, right, right? that I'm just free to do whatever and I'll just confess it as sin. For them, you know, one of the big issues was what? Was pork. Anything pig. In Georgia, pig is an art form. Right? It just is. So that's not our issue. But you know what is an issue? And it's an issue in this church. If, and I say this and I got 50% of the people on this side. and fifty. If I say a glass of wine, boom. Right? Now, what we, what we would say is scripture is very clear. Drunkenness is sin. Absolutely. Some of you feel conviction. I can never have a glass of wine. Some of you are like, I have a glass of wine. Great. Let me tell you this as your pastor. There's probably a couple hundred of you in this room that should never drink another glass of wine in your life because you can't handle it because every time it's abused. He said, what's the big deal? I can give it up if I want. Then do it. If it's not a big deal, then do it, right? Because you cannot handle it and you've moved into license, like you, you, one becomes four and becomes seven and you're the guy jumping in the water down at St. Patrick's Day <laughs> and getting tased. <laughs> I saw that video. Moron. <laughs> and so, we, we avoid both extremes of, of legalism and license. And, and here's what Paul says, again, he says, they forbid marriage, they require absence from foods. He said, but God created these things to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. Marriage is good. Barbecue is good. Everything created by God is good, and nothing to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer." And this is where we get the idea, by the way, of praying for our food. And, and what he's not saying is everything, God, everything in the world is good, immorality is good, and pornography is good. As long as you just say a prayer over it, it's good. That's not what he is saying. He's saying, don't abuse those things which God has given as gift as good and turn them into bad. Because anything that God has created can be corrupted. Can money be corrupted? Yes. Can work be corrupted? Yes. Can sex be corrupted? Yes. Can wine be corrupted? Yes. Can relationships be corrupted? can sleep. Everything can be corrupted. These are good things God gives and when they become the greatest thing or get out of place, they become idols and we move into legalism or we move into license. And he says, hey, don't don't go there. Right? Don't let good things be corrupted. And so the third thing for us, don't want to be Toys R Us kid Christians, is avoid both extremes. Avoid legalism and avoid License," he said. "How do you do that? Because here's, by the way, if you're in either one, you're going to either be one, or, you're going to either be blind or you're going to be arrogant. That's what's going to happen. If you're the legalist, you're going to be blind, right? If you're the of license, you're going to be arrogant because it's all about you. I, and I saw this when I was in seminary. The debate was raging, not so much anymore about Christian hip hop because it was just coming out at that point. Man, and there would be these guys that would be just right going against how Christian hip-hop was evil and wicked and everything. The irony is most of them weighed about 400 pounds, right? And they're talking about how wicked and evil Christian hip-hop is, which is an arguable debate because it's music, which is by nature just kind of neutral. Music can be both good or bad. They're ignoring something that's arguable and I mean, they're hammering something that's arguable, yet they are ignoring the very fact that they are gluttonous. That's blindedness by legalism. Right? But then there's the flip side. There's license. It's all about me. I can do what I want. So let me give you just some questions. And and look, if you're a Christian this morning, you have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to trust that He is going to lead you. I cannot do everything for you. The Spirit has to lead you. Here's here's some questions to ask yourself to, to avoid both extremes. On the license side, On the the free in Christ, I can do whatever I want side. Three questions. Number one, can I glorify God in this? Because He says, this is made holy. If Jesus was sitting there at the table with you, could you enjoy this? Could you be thankful for this? Would you not be ashamed of this? Can you thank him for this? If that's the case, man, then I would say you're free. That's great. But if there's even a a hint of of shame, right, then then, then you you may be moving into... I'm crossing the line here. Here's the second question. Is this helpful? Is it helpful? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Let me read it. It says, all... See the quotations there? That was a slogan that the Corinthians had to validate they could do whatever they wanted. They said, all things are lawful for me. And Paul contrasts it. Yes, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. Yes, but I will not be dominated. Is this thing helpful? It may be lawful, but is it helpful? Is it helpful for your kids? Is it helpful for you? Is it helpful for your church? Is it helpful for your spouse? I mean, these are great questions. Does it help you go closer to Jesus or farther away from Jesus? Does it help you enjoy good things he's given? Or does it help you to abuse you? Third thing, am I enslaved? Right. again, he says in 6.12, I will not be dominated. I will not be controlled. I will not be mastered. If you're you're fighting over your Christian rights, it's my right to do that and I can do this, it's probably crossed the line to where if you're not willing to lay something down, you might be enslaved. You might need to just for a little bit. Lay this down. Right? Because if something is a gift, and and what Paul has said in 1 Timothy is everything's a gift. Good things are a gift. If it's a gift, it's not a right. It's a gift. Right? And so there's just some good questions. And, And again... Trust the Ask the Spirit. Search the Scriptures. The Spirit will lead you. The Spirit will guide you. On the flip side, for the legalist, three questions. Am I jealous? Am I angry? Am I arrogant? Are you jealous that someone else has freedom to go do X and you, you don't feel free in your conscience? You might be a legalist. Are you angry that they're doing that because they should never wear pants to church? Lipstick. Go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I can't believe that they would go celebrate. Whatever. Are you angry? If you, if you find yourself angry where bitterness and selfish ambition exists, James says that's demonic. Am I arrogant? Do I think that I am better because my family does this and your family would never do that? And, and you know, you're comparing yourselves to that person who came into church and you know see, that you're leaning legalistic. And both, y'all, both are not the Gospel. Both will cause you to drift. Both will cause you to not grow up and be a Toys R Us kid Christian. It's the antithesis of 316. He was manifested flesh, vindicated by Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on the world, taken up in glory. It's not the Gospel. One's trusting in what? Yourself. <laughs> One is all about myself, neither the Gospel. Right? And so we, we avoid them. Don't want us to be a church of Toys R Us Kid Christians. Don't want to see this guy over here and 10 years later, he's like, I don't know if I believe anymore. I don't want to see that over there, like, yeah, I was so strong and now I'm just, eh, just weak. Be awake, guard your heart, avoid the extremes. And here's what I also don't want, y'all I don't want you to be deceived. In the South, you, you know, it's kind of fake it until you make it, right? Don't do that with the gospel. If you, I mean, it's possible to be deceived that I'm, I know all the right answers, but I'm not really trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in church. I'm trusting in BSF. I'm trusting in reading my Bible. I'm trusting in my baptism when I was 13 and not be truly saved. What are you trusting in? Right? It's, it's start, and I know that's kind of, in the South, it's kind of, Humbling to admit maybe I'm not even, but Paul says, "Test yourself to see if you're even in the faith." Right? And and if you pass the test, great. But if not, what are you going to do? It starts humbly. The gospel, the whole thing about the gospel, starts with humbleness. It starts with humbleness. And and I I saw this week, and many of you saw this. You saw that Stephen Hawking died this week, and I saw some snarly remarks from Christians on Facebook about it. And I was actually grieved because when I saw the when he had passed away, I was actually in, in my spirit just grieved. Because I knew, I knew what was, what was happening right now. And, and he spent his life trying to prove that God does not exist. And, and there's two options. He was either right or he was either wrong. And he found out. And, and just don't, don't, when that stuff kind of happens, don't be snarly Christian, well, he knows the truth now, ha, 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 on Facebook. Is that the heart of God who says, I do not delight in the death of the wicked? It just makes Christians look like jerks. And you know what? We are. If someone's eternal soul is valuable, valuable enough to Jesus that he dies for them, and we're like, ha, 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 he knows the truth now, please don't do it. But, but he spent his whole life and he wouldn't humble himself. He was so smart and he wouldn't humble himself to the potential that a God created this. And some of you Won't even humble yourself enough to admit, I'm broken and I need a savior. You think you can do it. I'll just fake it until I make it. I'll keep trying. I don't want anyone to know what's really on the inside. Look, the whole, most of us that are Christians that are here, are here because we are admitting, can't do it. (laughs) Can't do it. I failed in the garden. And so if you got, if you have questions about that, if you, if you're struggling with some of those questions, look, we, our prayer team, which is a, is a great group of folks, they've been praying every Sunday. They're going to start praying during and after the service. And so if you want to talk to someone, if you just want someone to pray with, you're like, I got questions or, you know, something happened in my life you, they're going to be in the back hall. Like, go out these doors, you know, right after the service. Grab one of them. Right, there's a couple rooms. They'll go in a room and pray with you. D- don't, if the Spirit is moving in you right now, like, man, I don't know, this for... Don't ignore that. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, right? And so we want, we want that to be available to you, and so they're, they're going to be committed to praying for you guys every week if you need it. But, but just search your heart. I do not want you to be deceived, right? And when we start with humbleness, that reorients us to God, because we're looking at Him. Because, and God promises that when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us, right? So let's, let's worship. Let's think about that. Let's be awake. Let's ask God if my conscience is being seared. Be honest and open with God. That's why we're here. And share those things maybe with some folks in your community groups, your spouse, what God is doing, so there can be us building each other. Let me pray. We'll sing. Father, I just pray as we reflect on your words, we reflect on truth, as we ask the Spirit to move that you would help us to see where we're at clearly. I pray for our church that we would not end up like Toys R Us Kid Christians. It's a heavy text, Lord, but one that we need to hear. And we thank you for Paul, who, who warns us, who shepherds us through this. And I pray for those in this room that may be deceived into thinking they're good enough, they're, they're smart enough, they can do it on their own, that they would just see their need for Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.